title for tonight is going to, or not the title, but the text for tonight will be Philippians 4. So go ahead, grab your Bible, flip over to Philippians chapter number 4, verses 1 through 7 is where we're going to read tonight. Philippians 4, verses 1 through 7. And while you're turning and finding your place, I just want to take a moment and say thank you. Thank you for being faithful in God's house. Thank you for coming out on a Wednesday night. When you knew, obviously, your pastor wasn't going to be here, you knew I was going to be filling the pulpit, and I just appreciate you being faithful. I'm thankful for the opportunity also to our pastor that he would entrust me to stand behind the pulpit and deliver the Word of God. And I, I have prayed, and I have prepared, and I hope it's a blessing and an encouragement to you. We're, we're going to try to be very mindful of the time tonight. I don't think we're going to have to be here very long to understand and encourage ourselves through the Word of God. But I am excited about giving some attention to this book, the most powerful book that has ever been penned, the Word of God. It is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. God's Word can change us in ways that nothing else can change. Philippians 4, verses 1 through 7. If you found your place, go ahead and stand to your feet. We'll read this together. Philippians 4, verses 1 through 7. The Bible says this, Therefore... My brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech you, Odious, and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. With Clement also and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Verse number four says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, Rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You can be seated at this time, and I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity that I have, God, to stand here in this place, God, in your house, before your people, opening up your book, the Holy Word of God, to proclaim it, to open it, God, deliver it, explain it, expound it, so that we can grow and understand more about you and how you want our lives to be. Thank you, God, for this place. Thank you for the presence of the Spirit of God. Thank you that we, Lord, are standing on a rock that is unmovable, unshakable, and that rock is Jesus Christ. Thank you that, God, our sins have been cast into the depths of your forgetfulness. Thank you that, God, tonight we can rejoice in this, our salvation. When we have nothing else, God, to lean on or depend on, we can look to that reality, for it is unchanging. You are God, and you're not going anywhere. You are faithful, and you are on your throne. Thank you, God, for bringing your people into your house tonight. I pray specifically that you would help me, God, as I am your vessel, your man, your mouthpiece tonight. I pray that you would use me by your spirit to deliver your message to your people. You have a truth. You have a thought. You have a message that you want communicated. So God, please, in this moment, I want to remove myself from the equation. Eliminate me, God, in my preparation and my planning from the equation. And God, may we all glean from your spirit and your truth tonight. I yield myself to you. Guide me, fill me, use me, God, as I try to be 
what you need me to be for your people. May we all grow in the nurture and admonition of our Lord Jesus Christ. Build us up on our most holy faith. Unite us as a church around your truth. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Philippians 4, 1 through 7 is going to be our text tonight. We're really going to land um, and kind of look through verses 5 through 7. But I read through the first part just to kind of let you know what's going on right here. Philippians is a book, uh, one of the epistles toward the end of the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, early in his ministry after his conversion, traveled around all over most of the known world at that time, preaching the gospel, and then after preaching the gospel, establishing churches in different regions of the world, different cities, building really the beginning of what we know and understand. The Apostle Paul was one of the early evangelists and missionaries that was involved in that type of work. The city of Philippi is where this church was built, Philippians. That's where it gets its name. Paul, years earlier, had come through this area, had preached the gospel. Lots of wonderful people had responded, people that didn't know the Lord and were lost in their sin, but responded. And you can hear almost the the empathy and the concern and the love and the care that he had for this church. Many people, many um, students of the Word of God, theologians and scholars think that really Philippi, the church at Philippi, was maybe possibly maybe the, the closest church to the heart of the Apostle Paul. Maybe sort of like a teacher has a teacher's pet, even though they're not supposed to. Sort of everybody kind of has that person that their heart's just linked with. And, and the Philippian church for the Apostle Paul was like that. You hear it in his language, my dearly beloved, my longed for. And then he calls them his joy and his crown. And then he references a couple different people. He uses the term yoke fellow. Help those people who've helped me, my fellow laborers. You can hear it as he's talking, the the true love and compassion, the concern that he had in his heart and his voice for these people. And it's in this text that we are going to look tonight at one thing that he said to some people that were very, very dear to his heart. And I think as we examine what he said, penned by the Spirit of God, that it can speak into our lives as well. And so Philippians 4, 1 through 7, but right before we get into the message, I um, was studying for this and I found a story and I wanted to tell you about it. It's um, a story that I found in a book. There were, there was a king and he had an entourage of people with him, maybe six, eight, as many as 10 to 12 traveling with him. And he was coming through a city. He entered into this city and two women met him at the city and they encouraged him or invited him to come to their home. I said, we'd love for you to come to our home. We want to prepare a meal for you and we just want to welcome you and invite you into our home. We want to be hospitable to you, put you up for the evening, care for your people. And so they did that. They came over to this this lady's home and she had a sister and they were there that evening. Well, the king and all his men gathered in the room and they were just talking and they were teaching and he was sharing information about his kingdom and his land. And, And one of the women, one of the sisters was sitting quietly at his feet. She was so interested and intrigued at what this king had to say that she had kind of lost sight of everything else. Everything had fallen from view. She wasn't concerned about the meal. Maybe they put something on a little bit ago, but once he started talking, she left the kitchen and came into the living room and was sitting there listening to what he had to say. And time was ticking by. Moments turned into hours and she was lost in this person's teaching. Well, there was another sister I won't give her name to protect the innocent. I won't give her name. But there was another sister 
and she was in the kitchen preparing, for they had brought these people over to the house to take care of them. And so she was far more concerned about making sure they did their part, making sure that everything was right. And she was busy, 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 busy doing a lot of good things, but very distracted. And so she literally, at one point, just reaches her, that's, that's all she could take, and she runs out of the kitchen and runs into the living room where everybody's at, and she gets really loud, and she says, my sister has been sitting here, King, listening to you talk, and I'm in the kitchen all alone, and I'm working and serving, trying to take care of everybody and be a host and concern myself with your needs, and so on your authority... Would you speak to my sister and tell her to get up, get in the kitchen, and help me serve? Well, the king, filled with wisdom, looked back at the distracted woman and said something she was not expecting. That it's very important that we're fed, and it's a good thing that you are busy serving, but... Your sister has chosen a better part. Your sister has chosen the good part, to sit at my feet and glean and grow from my teaching. I didn't give the names on purpose because sometimes when we talk about Bible stories, we over-spiritualize them. How many of you know who I'm talking about? Has it hit yet? Good. The story is Mary and Martha, and they were two sisters, and there was a king who entered a city and Mary was the owner of the house, and, and they had a little bit of a disagreement. And Martha was really upset and really worried about feeding and protecting and caring. And, and Mary was seated at his feet, listening to his teaching. And she came in bothered and perplexed and all up in a tizzy and said, you need to tell my sister to get in here and you need to tell her to do it right now. And he didn't do what she said. He said, actually, no disrespect, but your sister's chosen the better part. Like I said, the reason I didn't tell the story by the names or read the scripture is because I didn't want us to over-spiritualize it. I didn't want us to immediately say, oh yeah, Mary and Martha and think about Jesus and turn it all spiritual because really tonight we're going to get into life. I'm glad you're at church tonight. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that we're all carrying our Bibles and dressed and looking right. And this is God's house, but it's also Wednesday. How many of you work today? How many of you are having to navigate relationships today, dealing with people? That's what essentially this is about. Does that truth, that story relate to anyone? Because it sure does relate to me. A lot of times I think, yeah, I'm Martha, man, I'm focused on Jesus, I'm, I'm loving Jesus, I'm filled with his promises, and I've always got him as my priority, when in reality, that's not true. A lot of times, I'm the one who's more like Martha, running around, worried about the details, all caught up in the events of life, and my, my, my interest in the things of God sometimes can be lacking. A lot like Mary and Martha. Maybe you can relate. Did you know that there is such a thing, and I found this out today while looking it up, there's such a thing as a careaholic. Anybody ever heard about that? A careaholic, like an alcoholic, someone who abuses alcohol to remove themselves from the reality of their life careaholic, someone who is so concerned with the cares and affairs of everybody's life and their own that it's literally their escape. And on a more serious note, over 750 million people worldwide 
have been diagnosed with an anxiety or a depression disorder. And then I put this, and that's just the ones they found. That's the ones who went and said, I think I have a problem. And a doctor said, you have an issue, 750 million, and it's growing rapidly. That means in just a few hundred thousand, they're going to hit the billion mark. That's a big, big number. And I found this too. This person said this, I used to suffer from crippling anxiety, but I decided to dig myself out of that pit through hard work, persistence, and never giving up. I can now say that I not only suffer from anxiety, but also suffer from depression. And sometimes that's how it feels in life is that we got a lot going on. There's a lot of issues. And so we buckle down and we say, I'm going to plow through this. And when it's all over, we're in a worse mess than we were to begin with. Well, for the Christian, Peter addresses this. 1 Peter 5, 7, the Bible says, cast your care upon him for he careth for you. And then Jesus himself in Matthew 11, 28 through 30 said this, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is Light. We all know those verses. We all love those verses. A lot of times we preach those verses to people. Somebody's bothered or having a hard time or they're going through a situation. And to you, it really doesn't look that important and it doesn't look that distressing, but they are so worked up and so bothered about it. And we'll go up and wrap our arm around them or something like, oh, just cast your care on the Lord. Everything's going to be all right. And they're thinking, yeah, right. You just go somewhere and leave me alone. It's where faith and Christianity meet reality and your life. Where Sunday morning hits Monday morning. When you're in God's house and you're praising him and there's nothing restraining you or holding you back, but on a Tuesday afternoon, when work has been long and friends have been few, a lot of times we find ourselves a lot more like Martha than Mary. And so I want to just simply preach, teach tonight, distracted by the dishes, distracted by the dishes because it's exactly what was happening. Martha was so worried about serving and giving and going and doing that she became completely sidetracked and distracted from the reality of who was in her house. So what does it look like? Great principles to practice, but not simply practiced easily. Philippians 4, you're there. Philippians 4, 1 through 7. The Bible, I'm not going to read it all again, but let's look down at verse number 5. This is where it starts. And I want to give you some context, too, about chapter number 4. It's really interesting. We talked about Mary and Martha. But the same thing right here between two ladies was happening again at the church at Philippi. From what we know about these two ladies, Euodius and Synthike, they were wonderful ladies. They were involved in the work of God. They were doing the work of the ministry alongside of the pastor pastors and teachers and leaders. They were serving and giving and loving, but Paul found it within himself necessary to address an issue. He said, I beseech you ladies that you be of the same mind. And then he addresses some other people. So apparently it doesn't get into what, but apparently there was some little tiny little thing like a sink full of dishes that was really bothering the minds and hearts of these two ladies. And then Five through seven, the Apostle Paul gives those ladies in that church, but also us tonight, a very clear response 
to what do we do? How do we cast our care? Because it's a wonderful principle. It's hard to practice. It's easy to say and preach, oh, cast your care on the Lord. His burden is light and his yoke is easy. But then we find ourselves in a situation that we can't handle and we're overwhelmed and we're frustrated. So let's just look at it tonight. Verse number five is where we're gonna start. Let your, what's the word? Moderation. Say it again. Let your moderation. Moderation means what is reasonable or fitting It literally means this, looking toward the end or considering the purpose of something. Another word that you could put there is gentle. It means to exercise justice, but not just simply by the facts. To go beyond justice and consider the whole of a situation. What what he's trying to, moderation, moderation, what does that mean? So if it If it's reasonable and fitting and considering the situation, considering the context, I thought about this. What's a moderator? A moderator, and I thought about, we just came off of a lot of crazy political debate, and still, a lot of times, if I'll jump on Facebook and go to my little video thing, it's still filled up with so many political things here and there, just people all the time, this and that, left and right, red and blue, and and just crazy, crazy, crazy. What is a moderator? Anybody ever watch any of the debates? It's very important for there to be a moderator because if there wasn't a moderator, they would be arguing about the color of their tie or about the year they were born and they're way off track over there somewhere, completely lost about the point. That's what the first thing that Paul addresses he's getting at. He says, let your moderation be known unto all men. I thought about it this way as well. How many of you ever put together a puzzle? Anybody ever done that? Puzzle lovers in the house? Any puzzle lovers? Good. Some of Miss Angie and Brother Mike, they're not here. I know they're puzzle lovers. They do the big ones, like the 1,000, 1,500, 2,000. I can't do that. Take up your whole dining room table. I have little boys. We tried to do that one time during, and that's right, I heard you laughing, Brother Brandon. We tried to put together a puzzle during um, COVID when everything was locked down. We were in our house, couldn't go anywhere, couldn't do anything. We thought, we're going to do a puzzle. So we pulled a puzzle out. It was like a 500-piece puzzle. We spent like a day and a half putting together that puzzle. It was the very end, and Moses and Adrian come in there and like throwing balls around and all kinds of stuff, and one of the balls hit the puzzle, and we had like 412 pieces of the 500 pieces, and it was like puzzle pieces going everywhere. So we don't do puzzles like that at our house, but I thought about that, about moderation. What is moderation? I think one of the ways to paint a picture in our minds is to consider a puzzle. A puzzle has, depending on how mature you are at putting together puzzles, like five pieces or 5,000 pieces. But every puzzle has one thing in common, no matter how many pieces, they're made up of pieces. But they, together, when all the pieces are together, produce a picture. And it's really easy in the process of navigating life to get your eyes on one simple small piece of the puzzle and lose sight of the whole picture. It's what was happening in the church at Philippi. Paul is addressing this situation. It's a lot like what happened to Mary and Mark. Martha, there's a situation going on and there's really just a little sink full of dishes and and something happening that's not really that important in the grand scheme of things. But when you're saturated in the moment, all you see is the peace, not the picture. So Paul says, let your moderation be known unto all men. So point number one, and Hannah's gonna run the screens for me tonight. Point number one is just simply put, chill. Chill. Y'all like that word? Chill. 
That's what Paul's saying. And he didn't use the word chill. I'm using the word chill, but it's what he was saying. Let your moderation, let your understanding, let your gentleness, let your perspective change from being all wrapped up in this one issue. Whatever's going on, ladies, whatever it is that you're you're fighting about, these two ladies right here at Philippi, whatever it is, it's not important when you consider the grand scheme of things. Look beyond the puzzle piece and see the picture. Chill. Big picture. Big picture. And I wrote this down. Bending toward people, bowing toward God. Because verse number five says this, let your moderation be known. What does it say? Unto all men. I don't know about y'all, but I find myself in situations a lot of times. Something's happening. And no, in reality, if I would step back and breathe and analyze, it's not important. But in the moment, I'm perplexed and frustrated and overwhelmed, and it is stealing my joy and robbing my peace, and I am allowing it to overwhelm my mind and my thinking. So what Paul is saying in 2021 is, Calvary Baptist Church, chill! Chill. There's a big picture here. Chill with people because let your moderation be known unto all men. So we chill with people in our relationships with people. Let's make sure that we enter into these relationships understanding that things are gonna be said, stuff's gonna come up, an issue at work is this, and an issue at work is that, and that the tires are gonna go flat. Our missionary wrote about it, and there's gonna be a need for, a, for an overhaul in your, in your job. You don't know where the money's gonna come from, and you need this, and you need that, and the kid threw up in the car on the way to school, and we're gonna be 15 minutes late now, and if we're not careful, all of the real aspects of life life dominate our thinking and control our behavior and what I came tonight to say is chill chill there's a big picture going on but that's not all he says verse number six be careful for nothing so first of all let your moderation be known unto all men the Lord is at hand verse number six be careful for nothing the word careful literally means anxiety or worry The literal definition is to be divided into parts or to go to pieces. You ever heard anybody say that? I am going to pieces over here. And most of the time it's over something really simple and really small. And Paul addresses that and he says, don't tell me the Bible's not practical. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry, don't fret, don't allow anxiety, although the situation is real, to lead you to a place where you forget who's in the room. Martha, you've forgotten. You're worried about dishes and Jesus is teaching in your house and your sister has understood and grasped. It's not that dishes aren't important, but it is a reality that they are distracting. Be careful for nothing. Don't be full of care over anything or anyone. Anybody got anybody in here? You can just raise your hand without saying names and you can say, this person knows how to push my buttons. Anybody raise their hand and say that? I know I can for sure. Everybody probably has that person or those two people or 20 people that, that you come across. And just put, y'all are laughing at each other and looking at each other. A bunch of married couples. Spouses know how to push buttons. Let's just go ahead and say it. We know each other well. We love each other well. We're real and we spend a whole lot of time together. So we find those buttons 
Christians and we push them. It's real, but Paul tells us, be careful for nothing. Anxiety is real. Worry is real. And it takes our life and it breaks us down and it pulls us apart and it divides us into pieces. I believe it was Warren Wiersbe that said this just the other day. The heart is never empty. It's either full of care or full of Christ. And I wrote that down. The heart is never empty. It's either full of care or full of Christ. So the first point tonight is simple, but I hope you don't forget it. The next time you're in a situation that is nagging at you, it's attempting to pull at your strings and push at your buttons. And it's Tuesday afternoon and it's almost five o'clock. And here comes that person who's like, can you work two hours late? And you're like, no, I can't because I've got, but I, uh, ah, chill, just chill. It's literally what Paul is saying. In your relationships with people, learn to consider the big picture. Let's chill. But that's not where it starts. Point number two, communicate. Communicate. Look at verse number six. We covered careful for nothing, but then this is the response to that. So he tells us to chill, calm down, breathe, relax. But then what do I do? Okay, how do I respond? Point number two, we communicate. Verse number six, but in everything by, what's the word? Prayer. Everything by prayer. So the first thing we see is communicate a bold prayer. And I look this word prayer up. It literally means a wish. It means a wish, a wish. Anybody ever said this? Oh, I wish things were different, but they're not, but I wish they were. And a lot of us, if we're not careful, we navigate our life 24 hours a day, every time, but when we're sleeping and we're just walking around perplexed and confused and frustrated at the very real cares of life, wishing that they were different. Communicate to God is something more than a wish, but I wrote this down. A wish spoken on your knees is a prayer. A wish spoken on your knees is a prayer. Stop wishing and start worshiping. Willpower is not going to change you, but his willpower can change you. Jesus in the garden embodied this for us. And, and this is far greater than any just little circumstance. He was at the climax of his ministry and life. And he had a moment where he had to trade his desires, his wishes for the will and wishes of his father. The cross was in his view. It was in his future. His next few steps would lead him to death. And he was wishing in his humanity in that moment to forego that. But he made a trade. Not my will, but thine be done. Let's stop wishing and start worshiping. Learn to communicate. Pray. It literally means to exchange your wish, your will for the wish and will of God for your life. So the next time you're navigating a situation and something happens and you think to yourself, oh, I wish this was different. Stop wishing and start worshiping. 
chill and then communicate. Calm down, say this is not gonna control my life and control my thinking. It's unfortunate and I wish it could go differently, but I'm not gonna respond and get all worked up and start pulling apart and falling apart and stretching at the seams. So what do we do? If we're not gonna do that, we're gonna respond one way or the other. So if we're not gonna respond that way, how do we respond? We pray. We literally go to God and express our desires to him. I want you to turn to a portion of scripture that I think will help illuminate this. Romans chapter number eight. Romans chapter number eight. Really famous portion of scripture in verse 28, but we're gonna look at the context, 26, 27, and then 28. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about situations and circumstances that pull away at our life. We're not on Sunday morning tonight. We're on Tuesday morning in real life where our faith meets our job, where our faith meets our marriage. And we have a situation that if not handled, is going to distort and destroy the glory of God. So what do we do? We chill and then we communicate. We communicate through prayer. Listen to what it says. Verse number 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. I don't know about y'all, but Romans 8, 28 is a wonderful resting place for my heart often, but it's hard sometimes to wrap my mind around it. What do you mean all things work together for good? Good. Well, all things work together for good when we do 26 and 27. 28 comes to pass. When we chill and then communicate to our loving Heavenly Father about the very real intimate desires of our heart, the Spirit of God meets us and works in us something that we cannot do for ourselves. God, it literally, the language uses groanings which cannot be uttered. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I'm in situations and I'm so frustrated and I'm so concerned and I'm so consumed with it that I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say to someone and I just need to walk out of the room and create some distance or something like that. And a lot of times I find myself just sitting alone. It's what Martha did. She said, you don't understand, Jesus. I'm in the kitchen all alone. She was distracted, so she was lonely. We don't have to be lonely as followers of Jesus Christ. There is the Spirit of God who is ever with us within our hearts, that in every detail, small and great, he is concerned about our well-being. And if we will communicate, he will get us to the Father. Makes me think about the portion of scripture that talks about how we're adopted. And because we're adopted, our hearts cry out, Abba, Father. It literally means, if you break it all the way down in modern terminology, it's what it's saying is we go to God because the Spirit of God, like he's our dad. 
We just say, Dad, pick him up, dial him. He's on the line. He's available. He's right there in the middle of your circumstance. Dad, I need some help. I don't, what, what do you want to say? So I don't even know. I'm just frustrated. And I'm just tired. And I don't know where to go. Well, you came to the right place. The Spirit of God can work in your spirit and get you to the Father. Don't fight this fight alone. Bring your father to the fight. Church, if we don't pray, if we don't pray, if we don't learn to communicate, we will be pulled apart. Pulled apart. James 1.14. I wasn't gonna have you turn here. I'm not going to just for sake of time. But the Bible says this. Let no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. The reality is we face situations and circumstances on a daily basis that if left alone have the ability to draw us away from communion with the Spirit of God and before long a flat tire and a little bit of a leak or a phone call or somebody didn't do this or somebody didn't do the simplest thing that doesn't affect the grand scheme of things at all but it gets in our minds and it gets in our heart and it chips away and it pulls away and it pushes buttons and because we don't communicate to God God's Spirit cannot communicate to us. We're fighting a battle alone. James says that's not God's fault. God did not allow that situation in your life and then be like, too bad for you, you know, just deal with it. No, he says, I'm ready to meet you. I can work every situation together for the good and the glory of God. If you will just communicate just talk to me. Just come to me. We have a loving heavenly father who is seated in heaven and an advocate and an intercessor who longs to usher us into the unmatched, unmerited presence of God for our aid and our disposal. But we don't go. We hit something on the road and the rest of our day we're mumbling and, and grumbling. God's like, all that you have to do is chill and then communicate. It is really that simple. Cast your cares upon me. It sounds cool, but what does it actually look like? Number one, chill. Number two, communicate. Let's understand also that temptation, temptation is an attempt to pull you from Christ. That's everything across the board. Any temptation, any temptation is just that, an attempt to pull you away from Christ. God has everything good, right, and holy, ready for you and at your disposal. You are adopted into his family and you have the opportunity to come to him as a little child. If you have, if you have children in the room, you know, you know what that picture's like. Run to me and I'll meet your need. I'll care for you. I'll give you concern. I'll give you care. But we try to fight the battle alone, refuse to chill out and communicate. So we fall into temptation. The issue that happened is not the sin. James makes that very clear. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. 
But when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. So what happens? We're navigating life and something happens, a temptation. Maybe it's something severe. Maybe you're dealing with a stronghold and you're facing an issue and, and you, somebody presents drugs to you and you have a history. There's a temptation there. Maybe it's something as simple as somebody didn't say the right word and you're in a bad mood. I mean, big to the small, how do we navigate that? We chill, number one, take a step back, breathe, understand that this is a really small issue compared to eternity, chill, and then communicate. Say, oh God, right now in this moment, I haven't sinned yet, but I've been presented with the opportunity to. So I need you, Spirit of God, to move into my heart and help me do what I can't do alone. Your willpower can't change you. His willpower in you can. But we get that the same way Jesus got that through prayer. Separated himself, fell on his knees in the Garden of Gethsemane and said, God, I wish it could be different but it's not. So your will, not mine. He made a trade. He worshiped God. He put God on the throne, took himself off. It's real worship. Okay. It's not standing and praising on Sunday morning. I'm for that, but real worship happens on a Tuesday afternoon when something happens and your joy is about to be tanked or a temptation hits you between the eyes and you fall to your knees and say, God, I can't fight this alone. I can't do this alone. I cannot resist this temptation. Help me, shield me, protect me. I'm coming to you and he will meet you when you don't know what to say. He will help you. He is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. There is no stronghold. There is no temptation small or great that can rule your life if you will simply communicate. Pray, bold prayer, and then brave praise. Flip back to Ephesians 4. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, and then it says this, with thanksgiving, with Thanksgiving, brave praise. I don't know about y'all, but I know for me, when the circumstances of life are not going well, a lot of times left to my own flesh, in my own spirit, I'm not doing well, naturally. It's just like, oh, we got this issue going on. That happened. Bummer, this came up. Little tiny issues that are really just dishes in the sink. They're not worth messing with, but my spirit is all worked up and all confounded. If we will chill, communicate, and then in our communication, we pray, we pray, we talk to God, we let the spirit of God move and work within us, even saying things that we can't even word, just run to him, just, just go to him and, and say, I need your help. But then coupled with that, brave praise. We see this also in the book of Acts. I won't have you turn there again for time, but Paul and Silas in a city called Philippi. Earlier, when they're coming through this town, preaching the gospel long before he ever pins this epistle, he, in this epistle, what we're reading, he is preaching what he has already practiced because when he came through Philippi, he was arrested, he was beaten. He and Silas were thrown at midnight into the prison cell for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can anybody tell me what they did? They prayed. Oh, what did they do? What did they do? How did they navigate that situation? Christianity is really deep and really difficult. Everything's high and, and hard to attain. No, the apostle Paul and Silas did one thing they 
prayed. They communicated to God, but it wasn't just prayer. It was praise. They prayed and then they sang praises. That's what the Bible says. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Then it says this, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. And what happened? When Paul and Silas in this very same city years prior were preaching the gospel thrown into prison, a situation that I'm sure they wished was different. But what did they do? Sit, sulk, sour? No. No, they said, we're going to chill. We're going to communicate by prayer, bold prayer. Prayers like we don't like to pray. Prayers that get real. Prayers that get honest. Prayers that get open. And then they praised Brave praise. I mean, blood dripping off their back. And they were saying to God, be the glory. It hurt. It was brave. And there are going to be situations in our life where we look at the circumstances. The horizon looks bleak. You can't see how anything's going to change. Your response as a Christian, if you want to maintain your integrity, must be one of prayer and praise. Praise him, praise him, even when you don't understand it. Praise him, praise him with thanksgiving. When they prayed and they praised, a great earthquake shook the prison house. Their bands were loosed and they were set free. I genuinely feel like in my heart, there's some people in this room who are navigating the daily grind of life, loving God, serving God, wanting to please God, and then the tiniest little blip on your radar and you're off the cart and thinking, I can't be used. This is frustrating. This is crazy. I'm up and I'm down and I'm all around. I came here tonight to tell you that there is no temptation that Jesus can't conquer, whether the biggest or the smallest. Chill, chill, chill. Pray, pray, pray. Communicate to God and your bands will be loosed. The prison doors that hold you down. Maybe there's somebody here tonight, literally, and you've got generations of people who've dealt with exactly what we're talking about. Anxiety and depression and issues and chronically it's a part of your mental makeup and you can't get over it and you can't get around it. I came here tonight to tell you that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Come unto me, everybody who deals with struggles, everybody who deals with problems, everybody who has cares, bring them, cast them, and go free. You can be set free tonight from whatever temptation you face if you will boldly pray and bravely praise. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Verse number six, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Verse number seven, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I am glad to report to you tonight that God has a peace that is available. It is at 
your disposal. And it is a peace that passes, okay? Passes. It means comes over or above. Okay, a lot of times, here's what happens. We're navigating life. A situation comes on our radar, and really, it's, it's nothing more than dishes in the sink. But it, before we know it, it's stealing our joy and robbing our smile, and we're lost, and we're sending mean text messages, and we're doing all kinds of crazy stuff, and we're not acting righteous and holy and pure, and the fruits of the Spirit aren't there, and we spiral, and we think, what in the world is, is going on? And I, I just can't stay on track to Chill, chill. Every man is tempted. Okay, we're, we're all in this together. It's real. It's called life. We're all tempted and we're all tempted the same way. God's not up there playing puppets with your life. And realistically, I think biblically, Satan's not really in your living room punching you in the face. I mean, I know we wrestle not against flesh and blood and against, it's, it's real, it's there. But a lot of times it's our own sin and our own flesh that gets in our own way because we fail to just chill, breathe in the presence of God and then communicate, talk to God, boldly pray, run to him. When you can't run to anybody else, be nice to people, chill. Let that aspect be really good. Oh, I'm not gonna say that right now I'm gonna be quiet and then run into a closet somewhere and say God they get on my nerves that's what I'm talking about he wants to hear that because if you don't say it to him you're gonna say it to them you've got to learn to communicate bold prayers bold go to God and say call names he knows anyway Whatever's in here, he's already read it, okay? When you type it out and then don't send it and think, yep, woo, I won that one. Jesus is like, yeah, but I mean, I still like saw it, so. <laughs> it's, it's okay. You can talk to God. He's not gonna judge you for what's in your heart. He wants to, to welcome you into the presence of his Father, offer forgiveness and grace and power, bold prayers and brave praise. And when we boldly pray and bravely proclaim with our lips thankfulness and gratitude to a God who is ever faithful, we receive peace. Lastly, verse number seven, cherish, 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 chill, Communicate, cherish. If you will notice the big picture, don't allow yourself to be pulled apart in 50 different directions. I'm not saying stuff won't come at you. Oh no, it will. I'm just saying you can be above it in the power of God, not your willpower. Oh, I'm gonna just do better today. Man, it's gonna be all kinds of, and then 10 minutes in work and it's like, oh boy, I've already failed today. That's how it goes. It's, it's real life. The only way to change that cycle is by understanding that you are human and temptation does come your way. So instead of allowing the, the enemy to come and accuse you, look at you, look what you did. You had a bad thought. It's like, yeah, I do have a bad thought. And God chose me anyway, loves me anyway. And I can run with this bad thought into his presence and say, God, take it away. And he will. That's the only way to avoid temptation. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away, pulled away. Temptation, any attempt to separate you from God, anything big or small, when we're drawn away, that's temptation. How we respond to temptations determines whether we sin or whether we don't. 
That action involves communication. If we don't pray when we're tempted, if we don't praise when we're tempted, we are going to sin. We are going to fail. He is our only source of power. Bold prayer, brave praise, and then cherish. Receive that blessed peace. And it is a peace, let me tell you and let me tell you clearly, it is a peace that goes above, goes beyond, passes your understanding. What am I trying to say? What I'm saying is, if you will, chill. I hope you remember this tomorrow. It's why I did the points the way I did. I want you to think about it because it's what Paul was trying to say. Guys, you're a new church plant. This is awesome. Souls are being saved. People are being baptized, added to the church. And there's this tiny little issue that's come up between two ladies in the church. And it's not even important and it's not even big. It's not even big enough to mention or to say what it was. It's just teeny, tiny, microscopic. Here's the way we deal with that. First of all, chill. Just chill. Take a deep breath, count to 10, do whatever it is you do to gain yourself. Chill. And then communicate. Pray to your heavenly father. Jesus said it this way. You don't need to be outside and lift holy hands and say big oratories. No, because your father who seeth in secret hears in secret. You chill with people. How does that person, how does that person, like I, I push his buttons and he never responds. Oh no, he does respond. He just runs to the bathroom really quick and then responds. He's not saying it to you. He's saying it to him. And when he says it to him, God says, wonderful child, let me give you the reward. It's called peace. And then when you have the peace of God in your breast, then guess what? You don't need to know the answer to the question. You don't need to win the argument anymore. Whatever it was that was bothering you and is so important and is so big 10 minutes ago, now you have this thing called peace and it's bigger than the problem. And so you can walk back into that very situation. You can confront that very person with a totally different temperament. You have been filled with the spirit of God because you as the child of God have looked to your heavenly father and said, oh God, I can't, I can't navigate this. I need your help. Would you help me? And before it even comes to pass, I'm gonna stand up and I'm gonna say, I don't like this, but you're good. You're strong. You're right. You're powerful. I will not fail. I will not cower. There is no temptation that is going to knock me out because I am in you. If you will do that, he will grant you and give you a peace that you can cherish that passes all understanding. That peace will keep. It literally means to guard. It will guard. It will keep. It will protect. Your heart, your heart, and your mind, anxiety, and depression. God has the ability through His Spirit 
to so infiltrate the private areas of our mind and our heart that he can transform the inner man to the point to where we're able to navigate life and get off of the up and down and in and out and constant struggle. And it's not because of your willpower. It's because of your worship power. Because you daily, day in and day out, 10 times, 20 times, 50 times, look to the Spirit of God and say, God, I'm having a thought right now that's not pleasing. And I can't get it out. I need you to help me. That's bold prayer. That's real prayer. And then say, God, and I trust that you'll do what you said you would do. You're faithful and you are good and you're working all things together for your glory. That's brave praise. Blood dripping off the back kind of praise. And then in that moment, you can cherish, receive, and enjoy the blessed peace that comes from an intimate relationship with God. Father, thank you for your house. Thank you for the privilege that we all have to enjoy your presence. Thank you that you have been here with us tonight. Thank you that you are meeting and ministering to us. Spirit of God, I genuinely pray that there would be some underneath the sound of my voice or on live stream that would right now immediately stand up from their seat, walk down to this altar and say, God, I need you. I've been fighting these struggles alone and you've given me your spirit. I'm inviting you tonight into the secret places of my life. There are things that I can't win. There are battles that I can't face. And I've been facing them and fighting them for years, only to have the same result. But tonight, God, I'm trading in willpower for worship power. I'm trading in, God, my commitment to myself for a commitment to you. I'm gonna choose, God, you, your presence, your power, your authority over my own understanding. In all of my ways, I will acknowledge you. You love me, you are for me, you wanna see me thrive. You've given me every opportunity to do so. Help us, God, tonight as we respond to your truth. Stand, if you will, all over God's house. Come to the altar if you if you need to. I'm not trying to coax anybody into a response.